0: formatting my life. You know, this is a magical time of year, uh, especially for preachers, because uh, really a preacher's job every week is to try to get people to say, hey, you know what, maybe I should think about changing my life around. And you know, it's the start of a new year. I don't have to try to get you to think about that. Most people, it's already on your minds, even if you're not thinking about it for yourself necessarily. If you've been on Facebook, you have seen just tons of posts about, oh man, goodbye 2015, hello 2016, and a lot of people are like, I hope 2016 is better than 2015, but no matter if 2015 was fantastic or no matter if it was the worst, God has something to say to all of us today, and I love this passage. I do this every New Year lesson. From Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, the Lord says, forget what happened before and do not think about the past. Look at the new thing I am going to do. It is already happening. Don't you see it? And see, the problem is there is a lot of us that don't see it. Um, You know, you don't have to wait for a new year to think about beginning (laughs) again Uh, every day is a new opportunity to start over. Every moment is a new opportunity to start over in God's mind. Uh, And so again, whether last year was great or whether last year stunk, God says, leave that in the past because there's something new that he wants to do in our lives as we move forward into 2016. Um, But change isn't always easy to do. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, We have a problem, human beings, have a problem changing things in our lives. Uh, That's why people who are able to accomplish it, it's like they'll write books and all the rest of us will be like, how did you do that? And so we get a book and we read it. It, What it kind of comes down to, as best I can tell, is that the ability to change comes down to one really important thing, and that is this concept of focus, right? Focus is what brings power to anything. Think about right now in Alaska, the daylight, uh, the sunlight, you know, not only is there not much of it during uh, this time of year, but that bit of sunlight that we do get during the day, it's just not that strong. I, I grew up in Southern California when the sun would shine through a window and hit your bare skin. You knew it, you know, you're like, oh yeah, the sun's shining. Sometimes that was a good thing. Other times you were like, oh, I'm getting into the shade, right? It was like not a good thing, but you always felt the sun when it shined or shone or whatever the word, correct pronunciation of that would be. But here in Alaska during the winter, I can be sitting there and the sun could come out and shine through a window and hit my head. You couldn't prove it by me. You can't tell any difference at all because it's so diffused as it comes through, as it turns out, so much of the Earth's atmosphere to get to us here in, in Alaska, But if you take a magnifying glass, even on those days when the sun doesn't seem like it's very powerful and you focus that light on your hand, now you'd realize there is, there is some power there to that light that is coming through the window. It's just that it's so diffused. You can't feel it. But if you focus it, then you feel it. Same thing's true with your life. Uh, We are world-class professionals in 21st century Alaska at diffusing our lives at adding so much to them and and doing the things that are urgent, but not important. Not 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 going to be things that are long lasting. We are so good at that, that we diffuse our lives to such a point that we got very, very little power in our lives. Rick Warren, who wrote the book, The Purpose Driven, uh, The Purpose Driven Life. He also wrote The Purpose Driven Church. Uh, Then he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. But he says, uh, if you want your life to count, then you must focus it. But what does it look like to focus our lives? I told you last week that Judy drags me to a lot of these self-improvement seminars, you know, and some of them I'm just like, you know, I would rather be anywhere else right now than than at one of those self-improvement seminars. She took me to one 18 years ago, um, Franklin Covey seminar called What Matters Most, And that one changed my life forever because it taught me three very important questions that when I ask them of myself and of my life and focus on them and keep them before me as I go throughout my my day, my week, my month, my year, it it brings tremendous power to my life more than I ever dreamed was possible in my life. Um, And so we're gonna look at those. I, I called them in this lesson, the three Ws, of lasting change. But as I was sitting this week thinking about these three questions, this word, co- this concept kept coming back to me, three questions. I got to answer three questions. It reminded me of one of my favorite clips. That's about three questions. Let's watch this.
1: There it is. The bridge of death. Oh, great. Look, there's the old man from scene 24. Doing here? he here? is the keeper of the bridge of death. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. He who answers the five questions. Three, three questions, questions. Three questions. May cross in safety. What if you get a question wrong? Then you are cast into the gorge of eternal peril. Oh, what Who's going to answer the questions? Sir Robin. Yes? Brave Sir Robin, you go. Hey, I've got a great idea. Why doesn't Lancelot go? Yes, let me go, my no I will take it single-handed. I shall make a feint to the northeast. No, 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 hang then on, then on, then on hang on, hang on. Just answer the five questions. Take <laughs> that. Three questions as best you can. And we shall watch and pray. I understand, Good my niece. Good luck, brave Sir Lancelot. God be with you. Stop! the bridge of death must answer me these questions three. Uh, the other side, you see. Ask me the questions, bridge Now I am not afraid. What is your name? My name is Sir Lancelot of Cavalot. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What is your favorite color? Blue. Why, off you go. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. these questions three uh, the other side he see ask me the questions keeper. I'm not afraid what is your name sir Robin of Camelot what is your quest to seek the Holy Grail what is the capital of Assyria <laughs> I don't know that <laughs> What colour? Blue. (laughs) Milk. Stop! What is your name? It is Arthur, King of the Prisons. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? What do you mean? African or European swallow? I-I don't know that. <laughs> Who do you know? So much of it swallows. Well, you have to know these things when you're a king, you know.
0: Now, the three questions we're going to ask are not as dangerous as that, all right? But they are incredibly powerful. They help you to focus your life. You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, Paul says, I'm allowed to do all things. God won't stop you from diffusing your life. He says, but all things are not good for me. And so if you want to add power to your life, if you want to do things you never dreamed you could do, become somebody you never dreamed you could become, you have to focus your life. So the three W's of lasting change. First uh, W is, uh, I guess I'd say, uh, the question is, who am I? And now that may seem like a stupid question. People are like, what do you mean, who am I? I'm me. You know, what? who are you? You're you're you. It's like, this is a stupid question. This is all about the roles that you play in your life, okay? Uh, The different hats you wear as you go through your day-to-day life. Because we have all been given different uh, relationships that we have responsibilities for. And the first thing that uh, in this Franklin Covey seminar that Judy and I went to that they had us... Do was define our roles. Now, just to kind of give you an idea. For me, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, so you know that relationship is with Jesus. I'm a husband. That relationship is with my wife Judy. Um, I'm a, I'm a father. I have a son named Jonathan. I'm I'm a pastor. I'm Uh, I'm an American. I'm a member of the Eaglewood Homeowners Association, right? You start kind of listing out all of these different roles that you have, pretty soon you start to realize some of them are more important than others. And so not only did they have us uh, go through and define our roles, but they had us rank them then, most important to least important. Because until you do that, it it was kind of eye-opening for me that I looked at this this list that I had made and I thought, how much energy am I putting into my most important roles? And how much energy am I giving to the ones that just really aren't all that important, that aren't gonna, that in 20 years, aren't gonna matter at all? Now, just in case you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, you know, I wish I'd like to go to that seminar. uh, You know, they're not coming up here anytime soon that I know of, but the devotionals for this week We'll walk you through this uh, this process, asking yourself these three questions, kind of going through these things every day. I'll take you through a new um, part of this. Uh, you know, it's not their seminar. I've kind of tweaked it and added uh, the scriptures that they kind of pulled these these concepts from. But if you're if you're interested in doing that, in focusing your life this year, pick one of those up on your way out and and go through it this week. I think it's on Tuesday, maybe that you go through and you define your roles. Um, you you kind of Figure out, okay, what's the relationship of this role? You know, who, who's my key relationship in this role? And then what he has you do is he has you write what he calls um, a tribute statement uh, that goes with each of those relationships. And this is what he means. Uh, what he said was, picture your funeral. Now, I didn't like that. I'm like, I, I don't want to picture my funeral. I don't know about you. Max Takedo has another way of doing it. He calls it and life in reverse. He says, picture your 90th birthday all of the people that you've, that, that, that you've written down on your list as being your most important relationships, they come to your 90th birthday. And they stand up, each one of them, to say, this is what your life has meant to me. He says, write out what you hope they will say to you on your 90th birthday. And then he says, you come back to now and you start living your life in a way that will make that a reality. I mean, obviously, you can't control it completely, but you can do your best to live your life starting now in a way that will make what you hope to have happen more realistic, more of a possibility, I guess I'd say. Uh, Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, I ask God to make your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is that God is calling you to do. And I think I would add to that, you know, not that I want to add to the Bible or anything, but the way I would look at that is also say, see exactly who it is he is calling you to be because he has given each of us relationships that he has entrusted into our care. And he cares about how how we handle those relationships. And there are definitely more important relationships and less important relationships. It's important if you want to focus your life that you focus on the more important relationships. Um, The tribute statements are, you know, I mean, it's like sometimes people are like, I don't know what I I would even want. For me, I'm just going to give you an idea, okay? My my number one relationship is Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus, right? Sometimes people will say, what about your wife? What about your son? Listen, if I make them the most important thing in my life, I put all of my... All of the, the pressure of my hopes, my dreams, everything working out the way that on them, no, no human being can handle that kind of pressure, okay? It, they will be crushed under that pressure. There will be dysfunction. It will become toxic and destructive. People talk in terms of codependence. It's like they're, putting God first above your family will never make your family suffer, okay? I guarantee it if it's done correctly. You put your family first, I guarantee you they will suffer a lot. All right. So just to kind of give you an idea, my number one is Jesus. And and my tribute statement that I that on my 90th birthday, if I if I could say this is what I hope Jesus would say to me, I take it right out of Matthew 25, verse 21. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful, so now let's celebrate together. Now that's that's just part of it. I kind of go on from there and I talk a little bit, you know. I have him talk to me about what you know how, how I handled my my uh, my job as a pastor, as a father, all those different things. But but you kind of give you an idea. You know, my son, I have an idea for how I would like him to, to, to look at me at the end of my life, my wife, all those things. This is for me was incredibly powerful because I was putting so much energy into relationships that I was like, I don't want that person at my 90th birthday. Why am I putting so much energy into them? You know, what is going on here? You know, so. It really kind of helped me to kind of, all right, you know, focus my life a little better. So that's the first W of lasting change. And again, if you're like thinking, I want to do this, but I don't know if I kind of quite understand it, pick one of these up on your way out. They're on the the table as you leave. And uh, they'll also be showing up on the Facebook page uh, each day this week, so you can do it that way too. Second W of lasting change is the question you say, what am I aiming at? And this is all about goals, okay? A lot of times people will make New Year's resolutions, at least this is true for me. If I make just a, re- a New, Year, New Year's resolution, but there's no purpose behind it, um, I'm very unlikely to follow through with it. But what this Franklin Covey seminar has you do is they have you make your goals in relationship to your roles, if that makes sense. So what you, what you do with with this step, with this W of lasting change, is you say, okay, so what are the goals that I'm going to set for myself in order to serve the roles that I have already defined and ordered in terms of the most important from one to, you know, however many you end up having? And then that actually kind of makes, <coughs> makes for a pretty powerful way of looking at your life. You know, With when when I first did this, it's like I was, you know, I, I believe my job as a pastor is really important, but if I put that job ahead of my family, everybody suffers, everybody. And so what I started to realize is I was, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. A lot of times you see pastors' families and they're either, they, I mean, so many of them seem to be so dysfunctional. They either look like theres they're perfect and there's no problems at all, which you're like, that can't be possible, right? Or else you're like, whoa, what is going on there? You know, what is happening? And it's like, it seems like, that's why I didn't want to be a pastor. I was afraid of putting that kind of pressure on my family. And so when I, when I went into this job, I was like, okay, I will never put my, my job before my family. But it is so easy to do. And I, I, I'll catch myself doing that and say, okay, whoa, I need to, I need to slow down here, you know. And so I looked at, I, I'd look at those and I'd say, okay, Jonathan is, you know, either 2A, you know, Judy and Jonathan are 2, all right, number 2 in my life, 2A or 2B, however you want to look at it. And so I'd look at that and say, okay, I'm, I, I haven't been spending much time with him, you know, or I haven't been spending much time with her. I need to kind of look at how I'm going to actually, you know, design my life so that I am actually putting my energy into the most important roles that I have. Some people will say, I want to grow in my relationship with God. So what does that mean? What will my goals be? Well, I don't know. Maybe it will be to read the Bible know a certain amount of time a day you know maybe it'll be to to pray every morning when you get up maybe you know whatever it is you set these goals in order to meet these these concepts that you that you've set for yourself in the first W of lasting change and again I don't know if this is making a lot of sense to you hopefully if you if you kind of go through the the devotionals this week it'll it'll make a little more sense and it'll come you'll be able to take it a, a lot slower pace But the Bible says this in Proverbs 17, verse 24. It says, an intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. See, here's the thing about aiming at something. Just because I aim at something doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to hit it, right? Those of you who are hunters know that that is absolutely true, right? Sometimes you aim, you... I don't know what happened. I just missed that. You can aim at all the wise actions you want. Doesn't necessarily mean you'll hit them, but you have a whole lot better chance of hitting a wise action if you're aiming at it than if you're not. Rick Warren, who wrote that book, The Purpose Driven Life, he also said, "If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every single time." You know, I've found that to be true in my life. You know, some of you are thinking about that. But okay, but if you aim it at something wise, at a wise action, sometimes you're going to hit it and it's gonna bring a lot of power to your life. It is gonna focus your life in a way that is going to lead to, to the things that we always think about. I do a lot of weddings, right, as a pastor. And when I stand up in front of a church with a, a, a man and a woman who are, who are saying to each other, you know, I am, I am giving my life to you, they always have these dreams of what their lives will be like together, right? Nobody gets married thinking, oh, I can't wait until I can't stand you anymore. And I just wonder why I ever did this. Nobody says that, right? But sometimes along the way, that's where they get to, right? Now, what is it that leads to that? It's like because a lot of times we're not aiming at wise actions with each other, right? We're, We're like, oh, yeah, this is the idea of what I would like, but we don't make any goals to make sure that becomes a reality. We don't set any, any concepts or any, any uh, you know, plans for how we're going to make sure that we stay as, as close and as affectionate with each other Right, you know, in 10 years as we are right now. If you don't do that, you're going to end up like this fool that just kind of starts out in so many different directions. And I, I mean, that's just one example of, of, of being married. But I mean, the same thing happens in all of our relationships. You've got to aim. At wise actions. Um, Let's go ahead and jump to number three. Uh, The third W of lasting change is how will I get there? Now I know that doesn't start with a W, but it has a W in it, and so that's good enough for me. (laughs) But this question is all about values, okay? In other words, who am I becoming while I'm being the person that I, you know, while I'm fulfilling the roles that God has entrusted to me, while I am trying to accomplish the goals that I've set to become those people that God has, has, has asked me to be or that I have stepped into those roles, what kind of values am I gonna choose to adopt in my own life as I do that? Because values become our moral compass, not just our moral compass, they will guide every decision you make. Now, it may not mean that it's going to be easy to follow through with the values that you have chosen, but it will mean that you don't have to ask yourself, hmm, what should I do here? You may say, I know what I should do here. That's gonna be really hard. But the values will guide you. They're they're the compass that will guide you through your entire life as you try to fulfill the goals to be the person that that, that you dream most of being, right? We looked at uh, a clip from Monty Python and the Holy Grail a few minutes ago. Um, you know, if you've seen the rest of that movie and we're gonna watch a part from a little bit earlier than that here in just a minute, uh, all the knights have different values that they have that are their highest values, right? You know, Galahad is the, the pure and Lancelot is the valiant and the gallant, right? And Sir Robin, he wants to be brave, right? That, that's what he wants to be. Doesn't always work out that way. Let's watch this. The tale
1: of Sir Robin. So each of the knights went their separate ways. Sir Robin rode north through the dark forest of Ewing, accompanied by his favorite minstrels. Bravely bold Sir Robin brought forth from Camelot. He was not afraid to die. Oh, brave Sir Robin, he was not at all afraid to be killed in nasty ways. Pray, 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 Sir Robin. He was not in the least bit scared to be mashed into a pole. Or to have his eyes gouged out and his elbows broken. To have his kneecap split and his body burned away. And his limbs all hacked and mangled, pray, Sir Robin. His head smashed in and his heart cut out and his liver removed and his bowels. That's a. That's enough music for now, lads. <laughs> Looks like there's dirty work afoot. And our syndicalism is a way of preserving freedom. Oh, Dennis, forget about freedom. Don't got that mud. Right. He is Brave Sir Robin, Brave Sir Robin. Shut up! Um n- nobody really. D- d- just um, just passing through. What do you want? To hide shut up. <laughs> um oh, nothing, nothing really. I just just to um just to pass through good tonight? I'm, I'm afraid, afraid not. not. Ah w- well actually I, I am a knight of the round table. You're a knight, knight of the, at the, the round table. table? I am. In that case, I shall have to kill you, shall I? Oh, I don't think, I think so. What so. do I think? I think kill it. Oh, let's be nice to him. Oh shut up. And you. Oh, quick, get the sword out. I want to cut his head off. Oh, cut your own head off. Yes, do us all a favour. What? Yapping on all the time. You're lucky you're not next to him. What do you mean? You snore. Oh, I don't. Anyway, you've got bad breath. Well, it's only good you don't brush my teeth. Oh, all right, all right, all right. We'll kill him first and then have tea biscuits. Yes, yes. or oh, not biscuits. All right, all right, not, not biscuits, biscuit. but let's kill him anyway. Right. What? Brave away. Bravely ran away, away. I didn't. When danger reared its ugly head, he bravely turned his tail. No! His brave Sir Robin turned about. I didn't. He chickened out, bravely I never did. He beat a very brave retreat. Oh, All right. I never.
0: So you can set your your values. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll be easy for you to follow through with, right? But I, I thought about this last night as I was going home. What would, it, what would it sound like if I had a menstrual company following me, singing about my ability to follow through with my own values? And it's like, oh yeah, that might be embarrassing sometimes, right? But what are your values? There's in I think it's day, maybe Thursday that you kind of go through, and there's a whole list because sometimes we're like. Oh, know. I don't know what values are important to me. There's a list of them in there. You can look at them and kind of get an idea, but I'll just give you an idea. I'll give you a hint. If you want God's power flowing into your life, then you adopt his values. Okay. The fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five is a good one. Uh, There's all kinds of different places there, but there, you can focus your life and that's a good thing, but what can happen if you adopt God's values is then he will add his power to the focus that you are bringing to your life and it'll cause you to do things you never dreamed you were capable of. In Joshua chapter one, uh, I don't know if you know the story of Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and they spend 40 years in the wilderness. Joshua is his second in command during that whole time. And then Moses dies. And in Joshua chapter one, Joshua takes over. He is scared. He must be. The Bible doesn't exactly say that's what's going on, but God gives him this pep talk in Joshua chapter one. Three times he tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. And the third time, it must not have been working the first two because he says, I command you to be strong and courageous. But finally, this is what he says to Joshua about values. He says, obey all the laws that Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them and you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. See, people talk about the secret of success. Does the Bible give a secret to success? Well, the Bible does say there's a key to success, but it's not a secret. He he tells us over and over and over and over again. You study what God said. You study Jesus' life, and then you live that way. You do your best to live that way. Integrity. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. You look at those things. You say, okay, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to become. As I am living my life trying to fulfill these goals that I have made for all of these different relationships that I have, so that when I get to the end of my life, I'll be able to stand there and say, I did my best to get to the point where the people that are the most important to me will look at me and say, you did good. Thank you that's when God's power comes in and fills your life in such a way that that focuses it and brings power that you never would have dreamed you could have. And so I hope that if you are interested in making a change in this new year, that you'll spend some time this week in whatever way works for you, focusing your life, right? If the three W's of change help you, then use it. If not, use whatever other kind of tools that you can find, but focus your life. The last thing that I'll say is this. I talked last week with the prayer of Jabez about getting a great dream. That'll be kind of one of the, the, the first things that you do this week if you go through the devotionals. You'll write out your great dream. Because 18 years ago when Judy and I went to that uh, that conference, right before lunch, he, had us, he said, okay, he gave us three by five cards. And he said, I want you to write on this card what you would be doing in five years if... You could just like, you know, close your eyes and make a wish and there you would be. Money wasn't an issue. How you got there wasn't an issue. It's just this is where I would be in five years. This is what I would be doing in five years if I could just say, make it so. And at the time, I was working at a church that was split up into all these different camps. Everybody was suspicious of each other. They were all fighting with each other. It was horrible. Uh, I was a youth minister. And uh, they teenagers They couldn't stand the adults. The adults looked at the teenagers like they were just messy troublemakers and, you know, always messing things up. And it was awful. I had one guy come up to me one time. He found out I was a pastor. He goes, oh, I'm looking for a good church. Where do you work? I was like, well, I work over here at the Church of Christ. But if you're looking for a good church, you might want to try over here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Because I loved the people that I worked with, but it was not a place for new newcomers. It just wasn't. People would come in and be like, whoa, what is happening here? You could just feel it, you know? And so I wrote on mine, I said I would be part of a church where people weren't suspicious of each other. They loved and accepted and forgave each other the way Jesus did. The young would love the old. The old would love the young. and, and, And everybody would treat the people that came through those doors the way that Jesus would if he was here in their place. And so I left it there, and I went out, and I came back from lunch, and the card was gone. And I'm like, what, you know, because this wasn't a religious, this wasn't a church seminar. This was a, a, a business seminar in Southern California, you know, with lawyers and doctors and all these people. And the guy starts reading the cards, right? I'm like, oh, no. This is going to be bad. This is going to be really bad. People, you know, But he read my card, you know, and when he said that part about, you know, people coming through the doors would be treated the way that Jesus would treat them, people went Oh, you know, nobody knew it was my card, right? But it was like, oh, you know, like, wouldn't that be awesome if that was possible? But, you know, I mean, that's not really possible, is it? So let's just move on, you know. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, we, we, we finished that seminar. Um, I would kind of put, keep these things in front of me, you know, and I would look at them. If I'm making a schedule, if I'm scheduling my week, I would kind of put my, my roles and goals out there so that I could kind of think, okay, this is what's important to me. This is what I said was important to me, so how am I, where am I going to spend my time? Uh, about five years later, we were up here at this point um, and Judy's going through some stuff and she goes, hey, you remember that What Matters Most seminar we went to? And I was like, yeah. She goes, do you remember what you wrote down about your, your dream that you would do if you, if you could have whatever you wanted? I said, yeah. And she goes, God gave that to you. I was like, hmm, yeah, he did, I guess. He did, didn't he? And she goes,
1: I hate you. You know, because <laughs> hers, she was still
0: working on hers, right? Now, she doesn't really hate me, okay? I'm the light of her life, and she wouldn't know what to do without me. You don't have to tell her I said that, but that's true. But see, here's the thing. There is something powerful in writing these things down. I don't know what it is. Go to, jump over to Habakkuk chapter, uh, let's see, where is it? Two verses two through three. God says this, uh, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be seen and read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. I don't know what, what it is that's so powerful about writing down things and then keeping them where we can see them. so that it, But it, it just brings this focus and this power to our lives. Now, just because you write something down does not mean God's going to give it to you exactly the way you ask for it. My my dream of being part of a church, my dream was not with me being the pastor of that church, okay? I never wanted that. I was like, I'll be the youth pastor, I'll be the children's pastor, I'll be the associate pastor. I did not want this. God gave it to me in a way that I never dreamed I would have wanted it and that now I can't imagine any other way of having it. But there is power to focusing your life, folks. I hope you'll do that this week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your son and for the powerfully focused life that he lived when he was on this earth. Teach us to focus our lives on the things that are most important, the things that matter the most. In Jesus' name we pray.